The show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. Welcome to the healthcare rap, where we are ushering in the future of healthcare and the status quo no longer exists where we are challenging assumptions about marketing and technology, and we check yesterday's thinking at the door. Where truth drops like an atom bomb, and knowledge flows like Niagara Falls. Each week we challenge assumptions that have been holding back healthcare marketing, and explain how we can do better. Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jared Johnson, ready to share some more provocative thinking for healthcare innovators and digital teams. Here on the Healthcare Wrap, we believe that the healthcare experience has to change and we're trying to do something about it. We can either stand back and let it take another 50 years or we can jump in right now. And I think you know how we roll. We're not going to coast in neutral. We're hitting the gas. Come be a part of it. Each week, we talk about the topics that you need to know about and act on to be part of the digital transformation movement. We share tips on shifting the way that healthcare is experienced digitally and the backstage strategies for marketing, operations, and digital teams to drop the silos and stay ahead of the curve. This is episode number 158. We're now in season five, which is our quest to answer whether it's even possible to provide the healthcare experience that consumers desire. So here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about competing on digital consumer experience rather than on quality. Where's the North Star to recover revenue in the new landscape? I'll talk about that. Then Kelly Gill is in the house to share some provocative thinking about healthcare talent management. How do we recruit the high quality of talent needed to succeed in the next stage of digital transformation? And how do we create a culture that retains them? Kelly's going to drop some knowledge from his experience as an executive recruiter. It's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. I wonder if one reason so few hospitals compete on customer experience at this point is because they simply aren't that good at it yet. It's easier to compete on quality because of three reasons. First, clinicians are trained to focus on it. Second, there are gobs and gobs of data to quantify it. And third, it used to be a differentiator. But in the healthcare of tomorrow, customer experience is a major competitive advantage, and most of it happens digitally. We don't want to lose the momentum we've made in improving the digital healthcare experience. If we're talking business priorities, this one affects every aspect of revenue recovery and business growth. If your road to revenue recovery is retreating back to pre-pandemic fee-for-service care models, billboards with doctors and lab coats, and hopes of fending off challengers to your primary care base while ignoring the investments you need to make in digital transformation, you might want to make a U-turn. You want a North Star for where to aim once the pandemic begins to fade in the rearview mirror? Double down on digital customer experience. And I don't just mean patient experience. I mean making it easy whenever and wherever a consumer needs to connect with care. Use this to drive digital transformation and reimagine the use of your marketing dollars. 
Need budget to get started? Here's an idea. How about you take that six-figure investment you have tucked away to advertise your U.S. news badges and redirect it towards shoring up the rough edges in your virtual visit platform? Better yet, hire the talent to connect all of your MarTech data platforms into a data lake that can share and format all the data in the same place. Let's not make it more complicated. Don't bring on another MarTech platform until you've mastered the ones you already have. Remember, it's time to manage results, not platforms. P.S. This has been one of my favorite conversations on LinkedIn all year. The comments have been unbelievable. Ed Marks said, I'm not sure that the majority realize yet the size of disintermediation slowly taking shape. Big tech, retail, payers, digital first, all of them eating away the PCP base, armed with patient experience and human-centered design. So everyone knows it's coming. In fact, it has arrived. So there's a lot of chatter, but not as much action yet. Carrie Lichen said, let's just be honest here. COVID pushed the healthcare industry right into places where other verticals have existed for a while. It's time for healthcare to grow up. Providers are products, not gods. Chris Gervais said, we actually have research that show how in the last year, the number of patients who would switch providers just to get online scheduling went up considerably. None of this is technical. It's all change management coupled with a recognition that tech-enabled and focused competitors will win on convenience. You can have the best product on the market, but if it's the hardest to buy, you'll never get traction. Healthcare can't afford to be viewed as a legacy brand. John Marzano said, The challenge is consistency, and that lives at the mercy of a complicated delivery mechanism and its people. And here's one last one from Drake Pusey that will blow your mind. He said, I've said it before, the traditional hospital is like the IBM mainframe computer of yesteryear. It is professional grade, and it can do everything, but it is a pain to use. The new care models are like PCs or Macs. They handle close to the 80-20 rule of customer needs and provide the consumer-grade experience we want. The smart evolution would be similar to Google and Chromebooks, the networked computer model where hospitals and newer care models combine to form multi-channel care, unquote. Let's not waste another minute retreating back to what healthcare looked like in the past. Face both feet forward. Build your new world marketing strategy around competing on digital consumer experience, not on quality. The ones that do that will win, period. And that's the flavor of the Week. All right, so check this out. We've got a really cool, fun program today. We've got Kelly Gill with us in the house. Kelly's an executive recruiter in healthcare and digital health. So a great broad perspective of just the general state of the state in talent management and recruiting. And I mean, when we think about it, that doesn't have to do with everything that our teams are. You know, I think so. Right? So uh, let's welcome you first and foremost. Kelly, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm great. Glad to be on, Jared and Zane. Thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. Where are you? Where are you joining us from, Kelly? I am in sunny North Texas right now, just outside of the Dallas Fort Worth area. Nice. It's freezing up here in Detroit. It snowed this morning for April first. It's the April Fool's joke for us. <laughs> We'd love to be down there for warm. Yeah, I just saw. I think it's. I mean, it's opening day for Major League Baseball, and I think it was at Fenway or somewhere. I mean, they're playing in the snow right now, so crazy. But anyway, uh, Kelly, tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing and uh, anything else you'd like us to know there. Yeah, certainly. So the entirety of my career has been in the recruiting space, you know, whatever you want to call it, recruiting, executive recruiting, headhunting, 
I'll answer to any of those. <laughs> and I started, interestingly, Zane, I don't know if we talked all that much about this, but my early career was in physician recruiting. In I think I knew that. Communities. Yeah, yeah. In no rural way. communities in the upper Midwest. Ooh. So I worked for a very large permanent placement physician recruitment agency fairly well-known and kind of cut my teeth in recruiting there. Prior to that, had no idea what recruiting was, that it was even an industry. Mm-hmm. And I knew very little about healthcare other than what I had experienced as a, you know, a former athlete and injuries and that kind of thing. And since then, I have looked at a, a, a few different vantage points when it comes to healthcare and talent, uh, ranging from you know, largely the provider side, getting into executive search, across a number of different kind of domains on the provider side and subdomains. And then in the last probably three or four years, uh, digital health, whether that be within provider systems or from kind of a Silicon Valley startup perspective, that's really been a huge interest and passion of mine over the last three, four years as the, as the industry has really started to mature and, and become its own. Wow, that's fantastic. Like in super, super timely, you know, when I see jobs posted to LinkedIn and, you know, all the jobs that Provider System are posting, you must be super busy in your work. We had a lull through COVID and it was a little bit slow, but things are picking up and you're totally right. It's busy. I feel like each day, the number of positions across the country that are being re-added, it's pretty nuts. So people like me are pretty busy this day and age. Insane. That's insane. Well, thank you for being here and we're super excited to dig into more of everything that you're doing and who you are. But one thing that we always give all our guests a chance to talk about is sort of like the one coolest thing they're working on or seeing or doing something with. And so like, what's the most awesome thing you've seen lately? I've racked my brain over this and I feel like <laughs> a pretty a pretty lame answer, but it is also, I know it doesn't necessarily need to be, but it's applicable to the digital health space, mm-hmm. which is I've been tracking for probably the last 12 or 18 months, the rise of the SPAC. Can you, for the purpose of our listeners, I don't imagine everyone knows what a SPAC is. I think it stands for Special Purpose Acquisition Company. Is that it? Did I get it right? That's it. You're right. And essentially, what do they do based on your research? Yes. So again, not a thoroughbred financial consultant or expert by any stretch, but roughly the idea is this. Sometimes they're referred to as blank check companies. Ah, okay. Where a sponsor will go out and basically raise tremendous amounts of money with the intent to then take that money and deploy it against an acquisition. So you kind of go public as a shell and this entity then goes and acquires another company whose shares are then converted into this publicly traded entity's shares. There's a lot of mechanics around that process, but that's a general idea. And so it's much faster and forward looking and less burdensome than the traditional IPO process. Oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. Well, I'm sure they might have some recruiting needs, wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be mad at that. Yeah. Cool. 
Cool. Well, definitely have to research more into that. And I have seen that that term float around on Twitter and I know everyone's talking about it. So maybe I need to personally spend some time just to get a little bit more well-versed in the lingo of finance. But jumping into sort of why we wanted to chat with you today and hear your brilliance, Jared and I have been on this journey to, at least through this season of the healthcare app, to try to figure out, can we even have, or can provider systems especially, even produce the patient experience that patients want? And my personal hypothesis has been no since the beginning. And the reason why is you know multifaceted from technology issues, leadership issues, the way organizations are structured, so on and so forth. But one thing that's common, at least in my opinion, to all the issues that we have in healthcare, and I'm sure you realize there are many, goes back to humans and the people that work in these systems. And I'm certainly of the belief that in, you know, unless people are inspired to do something new or want to do something new or know how to work together, nothing changes. And so curious to get your take on sort of that whole space around recruiting, bringing people in, what you're seeing in the industry as it relates to recruiting for you know all these digital health roles that are being posted, innovation types of roles. And I guess I'd love to start and just hear like, where is that industry currently? What's going on? What are you seeing? Yeah, it's a good question, Zane. And it's there's some variance depending on where you look, kind of what setting we're talking about. But undoubtedly, it is growing in popularity. It's, it's almost become kind of the cool thing, right? Mm-hmm. Especially provider systems, this world that you and I are pretty familiar with. Any meaningful provider system this day and age has some sort of digital innovation and digital transformation arm. Whether or not those groups are functionally very tightly integrated into the strategy of the core business is a, is a, is a different question. Mm-hmm. But the challenge has been kind of back to the question and the thesis of this season uh, surrounding patient experience. I would even take one step back further and right. ask the question of, are you delivering an experience to your employees who are then in turn more closely charged with delivering that patient experience? <laughs> That's a good one. I have an opinion, but I'll let you share this first. <laughs> and ours are probably similar. It's like turning a massive cargo ship, right? And this is a, a really funny example of the infamous Suez Canal meme and you know the major backlog, if, if y'all have seen that, where this yep. massive ship got wedged. That's kind of what it's like, where you take these health systems and they've had a particular means and strategy around talent that has a ton of momentum. Mm-hmm. Right, just from decades and decades of doing things in similar ways or iterating incrementally in their approach, all of a sudden digital uh, comes out of left field from a talent perspective and you're trying to optimize existing processes and approaches from an analog world to digital talent. And I see a lot of people struggling, whether that is does HR and recruiting even have the tools and the understanding who should be targeted, who should be recruited and brought into the business? Do you then have the infrastructure, the right compensation packages, Mm -hmm. the right scope of position, the right title to effectively attract people? I'd make the argument from what I see across the nation, many don't, many don't. And that's a big challenge when you want to get top talent. Wow. 
what you're saying really speaks to me only because I have firsthand experience, but also recently, a team I'm a part of, we ran a um, case competition with Cornell University. It was just last weekend. And in speaking with all these young, bright graduate students who are coming out of Cornell schools and actually schools around the country, it was open to everyone. A lot of them are going to go work for consulting like McKinsey and Deloitte. Some of them are going to go and work you know, for some of these digital disruptors. But very few of them said they want to come and work for, you know, a a legacy traditional incumbent health system. And frankly, it shocked me. Like I knew we probably weren't high on the list, but I didn't realize we were that unattractive, if that makes sense. And I think it's going to be a challenge we're going to have to address when I see... You know, the Googles of the world, the Amazons of the world who are in the health space and trying and increasingly so, you know, with all this money behind them and sort of the allure of their brand and the sexiness of working for them. I don't know how we could possibly compete. It's a dilemma. That's Mm -hmm. and I'll add to that by saying historically, right, you had these concentrations of office based cultures. So if you were a provider system in the Midwest or the Mm -hmm. Southeast and, you know, maybe you didn't feel as though you were directly in competition for top talent in your backyard with Google and Facebook and Twitter and, you know, you name it. But with the forcing function of COVID and remote work, quite literally, this is true now. So I bump into instances on a regular basis where people are interviewing with Facebook because they can work fully remote at this juncture. So there's these competitive dynamics that have really escalated in terms of digital, right? You mentioned some of the kind of change makers and digital health startups, and we can go down that path. So there's that dynamic. But then from a talent perspective, you might literally, if you're in the center of the U.S., be competing with somebody from, you know, a product manager or a product designer or something with a Google or a Facebook or some other big tech company. And that is a different world altogether. It's just a, it's a different level of crazy when it comes to compensation and allure and, you know, wanting wow. logos and brands on your resume. So it's, it's gotten even harder, I would possibly Wow. Wow. It's got to be even more compounded when you think about job titles, involved with digital because like like another piece of drawing the right talent into a hospital or health system team because you know you could use words like digital transformation for instance and that means something very different to a clinical audience that could mean you're you're using a surgical robot or that could mean you're some you're a clinical data statistician you know somewhere in there as part of your job role or something related to the EHR that you have some responsibilities for that Digital transformation could be uh, something very different to somebody on the IT team or to somebody like in, in marketing or strategic leadership or in an innovation role. So I imagine just the job titles themselves, like historically, that, that couldn't have made things any easier to attract the right talent. That's exactly right. I've seen this. I've experienced this. You know, like, let's take it from the other perspective, Jared, where it's hard from a provider's perspective, a, a traditional health system, legacy health system's perspective to maybe calibrate title and pay. But then you're like, okay, you might also be one of the first or one of few hires performing mm-hmm. that function within your system. Whereas, let's just let's continue the Google example, right? A product manager at Google or an associate product manager at Google is a very well carved out and well-trodden path. They know what the competitive dynamics for pay are wow. and should be. 
you're one of 10,000 people doing that job. So they know how to scope it. And so you take these very well-trodden paths from a talent perspective. And now you're competing against that. And you're trying to make your first hire. You don't know what to call it. You don't know how to calibrate pay against that title. Like really, unless you have sort of a blank check mentality where you're willing to do whatever it takes to get this particular individual in the door, it's really hard to run a process and attract that type of talent relative to those that have been doing it for decades in your backyard now. That's a really good point. And I think to add to that, what I've seen too is, you know, even if we could recruit this person in that title, there's not a whole lot of knowledge in the system around what that type of person can do, nor are there the tools for that person to necessarily do their job. And so I've seen people get very frustrated, you know, thinking they're coming in as some, you know, innovation manager or even like a service designer or, or to your point, a, a product manager, and it just falls flat. It's the, the representation of the role and the spirit of the role does not map, not map out to the reality of the role. And then that doesn't even factor in like decision-making rights and actually doing meaningful work within the employer. That's a great point. I think that's very true. And I'm fortunate to see both examples of this done well and it done poorly. And, and for this to play out effectively, you have to have somebody or some collection of individuals, whether it's a chief digital officer or a chief transformation officer or some other kind of executive presence that functionally understands the various components of digital and what those should look like in aggregate in a health system. Because if you have an expert over one or two silos, right? I know Jared loves to talk about silos. They know one or two silos really well, but there's a dozen that should be meaningfully at play in this particular setting. It's going to be really hard to hire against those other 10 silos. If you don't have functional knowledge in-house already. So it's almost the chicken and the egg problem. Really hard to hire those until you have somebody already who can speak to how they should be equipped and mentored and directed in turn. Yeah, I hear you. And just to just two points to be clear, not only does Jared talk about silos, he raps about them. Wanted to call that out. And and two, something something I'm seeing is organizations, at least incumbent organizations, don't even know that these types of jobs can exist. So this even before recruiting, it's like they don't even know that what a project product manager does or what a service designer can do for them. And in some sense, aren't even thinking about it. I've gone to a few meetings before where I hear leaders describing, we need someone to do this. And I said, oh, well, that's a product manager. And they come at, you know, X many thousands a year. And oh, by the way, like Google has a ton of them. You know, good luck stealing one. We'll see how we can do that. So definitely a challenge. One thing, and you've been getting into it a little bit here, Kelly, is concretely then, where do you think there are opportunities? And let's take the incumbent legacy health system as, let's start with them. Where do you think that there are opportunities for these guys to innovate in this space or in at least try to become better at recruiting and being um, a viable candidate for these, you know, primarily young and, and really cool titled roles to come into? That's a really good question. I think uh, there's, there's a few different layers to unpack there for these legacy health systems to be competitive ultimately. First and foremost, sort of a personal worldview thing, but I think mm-hmm. it rings true in this type of setting, which is you have to be able to articulate your mission and higher level purpose as an organization very clearly and in wow. a compelling way. 
Mm -hmm. So I'd make the argument, this cohort of people that we're talking about, this type of talent from a demographic perspective, what Google and Facebook and some of the others don't have going for them that these legacy health systems do, in my opinion, is a different type of meaningful work. Oh, wow. So how excited is one to roll out of bed and deploy the next feature in Gmail? Like, okay, like maybe that's pretty cool. I don't know. Gmail has been around for a long time. Does that really get you excited? But if what you're doing on a day-to-day basis ultimately follows a pretty short dotted line to saving lives, improving health, creating better experiences for those under undergoing tragedy, then like that's something you can get behind from a missional perspective. So I first step I think is amplifying that narrative in the marketplace because it is a differentiator uh, relative to some of these big tech companies. If we want to, if we want to draw that comparison, the thing is, and I've experienced this firsthand, that is a huge draw when that is articulated appropriately the right people self-select into that environment. And if you really don't care about that, if that really doesn't get you out of bed, if you just want to get paid and say you work for X logo, that's not a motivating factor for you. And and you probably shouldn't be in that environment. The second thing, let's call it appropriate scoping of roles. And whether or not you need to engage consultant to come in and help you figure out what your digital workforce should look like, you know, Sure, maybe, maybe that's an option to create a bit of a roadmap, but having clarity of thought on what exactly you're trying to accomplish from a digital perspective, I think that's step number two, because to points I've heard Jared make, there's a million different descriptions of digital transformation, digital innovation. There's a ton of use cases. You can throw a rock and hit a problem in a health system that can be solved by digital. (laughs) Truly, you can. You can close your eyes, throw a rock, and you can find an issue that can be solved. Yeah. But making sure you're choosing the right issues, right, and measuring talent against those use cases to make sure you're getting the right people in the door. And then, I hate to be so blunt on this one, but the third step, and there's probably many more, is you've got to pay people. Yeah. We can't divorce the war for talent, if we want to go so far as to call it that, from that dynamic, that if you want to prop up kind of a missionary versus mercenary mindset, that's that's oftentimes how I hear this dynamic described, like, hey, I'm going to go to work wherever pays me the most. Like, okay, we know legacy health systems aren't ever going to be that. Right. They're not going to be market leading from that perspective. But you have got to be willing to make a meaningful investment in talent and have some sort of meaningful compensation or there's only so many people, right. That are essentially going to donate or volunteer their time for well below market rate to solve these problems that you've very clearly articulated, hopefully in step one, like I described. So meaningful investment in compensating digital talent. And that, we could go down this rabbit trail. That's one of the the most difficult challenges that I see is because it is is so far removed from the pre-existing pattern of talent within these health systems. They often don't know how to approach that effectively. Wow. Right. It it really is a double-edged sword is what I'm hearing you say, Kelly, in terms of the mission 
that is there in legacy health systems compared to even some digital health startup. It's not the same everywhere. I mean, some really are more directly tied to being involved in a patient's life, seeing their life get better, um, improving life for people. So there, there are even different levels of the mission and how directly involved you are in any particular digital role at a health system, for instance. Uh, but it definitely sounds like a double-edged sword in terms of some health systems. I would imagine it, it, se- it seems, you know, at, at sometimes it was at least my perception that that's used as a reason to not compete on pay to what you were just saying or bring in the right talent that they're just like, yeah, but people are going to come here no matter what, because they, they understand the mission of it. So I'm, I'm sure that's a challenge sometimes. It definitely, definitely it is. And it, it's a both and, I guess that's the simplest way to put it is in order to be equipped with meaningful talent that can actually move the needle from a digital perspective, in my opinion, my informed opinion, it's a both and it's not an either or, we either really articulate our mission or pay people well. The winners will do both. Mm, I like it. Kelly, and I realize we can't always get into too many specifics, but do you have any like examples or situations where you know, recruiting a candidate went south for them because of some issues described or conversely that it went really well where the, the legacy health system provider system actually did have a great environment they stayed? I can, yeah. So do we want to talk about this from a recruiting perspective or like a retention perspective? Or maybe it's some combination. Let's go with retention. So what I've done a lot of in my career, Zane, you mentioned your Cornell case study competition Mm -hmm. and some of the desired employers that these young, bright professionals were pursuing, you know, like management consulting or, you know, technology companies. And so I have taken a lot of people in their early to mid career out of management consulting companies and put them to work in healthcare organizations. I work with one health system in particular that I would say has started, you know, five, six years ago from a talent and HR infrastructure and strategy perspective, like every other legacy health system, but has deployed a lot of effort to move the needle in terms of how they approach digital talent. And it is radically transforming who they're able to access and bring on board. And so I've observed this interesting scenario where, and hopefully this answers what you're getting at saying without, you know, giving specifics of like an individual, but there's sort of these stages of hiring people into an environment through blood, sweat, and tears. Like it was very difficult to pull the right levers to get them on board, not because they weren't interested, but literally just the act of getting them hired, extending offers, having them onboarded was even a challenge logistically to this point where I stay in touch with a lot of these people and the way that their colleagues are being accessed and engaged is in a much more efficient and candidate-friendly way. So to me, that's kind of one example of someone actually putting in the work to transform their ability to access this type of talent. And the difficulty from five years ago to now is radically different. It's, it's gotten so much easier. Wow. I don't know what you think about it. And you can definitely tell, especially at the point of when you're applying, you can almost get a sense for the culture of the organization by how many hoops they put you through in terms of, you know, upload your resume, then they ask you to type all the information out or, you know, some younger companies seem to be, you know, using much more progressive tools that are simple, like in two or three minutes, you're good to go. 
And so definitely hear you on the process piece. It's an active pain, that's for sure. And that's a great example, right? Because if I'm that digital talent thinking, wait, you want me to come and do what type of work? And this is the digital experience. Yeah, right. Exactly. That I'm, that I'm enduring, not even going through. I'm like, I'm enduring this to try to get my foot in the door. It's not really a good proxy for maybe what the work environment is actually like. Wow. It's a, it's almost, a, yeah. Too bad we're only speaking hypothetically because I'm sure that never happens in real life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Never, never seen it. Cool. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation. One thing we always like as we're getting close to the end of our, our chats is like to talk about concrete call to action. So, you know, for individuals who are listening to us, you know, what, especially if they're coming from, you know, a legacy incumbent provider system, what is like one thing, one call to action, one thing they can do to either learn more about the space or get better at recruiting top talent? What's one thing? Yeah, that's a great question. At the end of the day, if I, if I had to maybe choose one thing that I feel like would move the needle the most, maybe amidst a number of things that really need to be changed, is leadership. Wow. Okay, this, this, is a little bit, this is a little bit ironic because, it's again, it's the chicken and the egg problem. Sure. From my perspective, how do you get this leader on board? But the, the ability to build digital teams and to draw top talent is going to be directly correlated to who is leading digital. The quality of this individual, whether or not somebody can trust in their vision for digital, whether or not they trust in their ability to rally other executives around them to actually execute change, right? That's a whole nother problem in healthcare. Wow, yes. Yeah. You know, you can make, the, you can have visions of grandeur in your head, but when it, comes to executing against those visions if you don't have the buy-in and the respect of others in charge of other business units absolutely it's not it's not going to happen absolutely so spend time and care and diligence in making your first executive or first few executive hires the right ones that you really feel you can build around because if you do that right they will drive a lot of the change mm. from an HR perspective. They'll lean on the hiring process. They'll lean on compensation. They'll influence directionally where they need to. But if that's not there in the beginning, who's doing the pushing? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a really question. That's a really good point. Are there, not to continue to belabor point, but are there a few... What are some qualities that these leaders that you would think this leader should be as they're thinking about building up a broader digital team? Are there some characteristics that immediately stick out to you that this digital leader should have? This is going to vary depending on the actual environment this individual is being recruited to and it's, it's kind of underlying complexity. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I'm a believer of having the right industry and non-industry exposure and experience. Mm. So here, here's what I mean by that. If you're an executive that has only ever been in healthcare, I hear this all the time, and this isn't me, you know, making this judgment. I hear this from other executives where it's like, we are, we're skeptical of this person's ability to innovate because healthcare historically has not been all that innovative <laughs> from a digital perspective. So if you've only ever existed in this environment, what does that say? Yep. So, but at the same time, and Zane, you would probably attest to this, the complexities and challenges of healthcare, right, amidst the Amazons of the world and 
haven failing and everybody likes to point out, well, healthcare is just a different animal. I think that's true, but you also need an outsider's vantage point into what digital actually can be. So I think if that answers your question, a combination of those traits, outsider's perspective that can bring industry approaches from outside of healthcare to healthcare while understanding or at least very quickly being able to grasp the inherent complexities of healthcare. I think that's kind of the magic combination. I love it. I love it. I can totally see that playing out and you know, definitely seeing folks from the hospitality industry start to step into healthcare. You know, those who come from true, just generic digital transformation, who've done it in like the retail space, start to step into healthcare. And so I guess we'll see how this all plays out. Kelly, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been fantastic. Certainly. I appreciate both of you guys having me. It was a blast. I could, I could nerd out about this all day. Thanks so much, Kelly. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Hey, this is Scott Burgess from Healthcare 360, the fair and balanced healthcare podcast, exploring everything you wish you knew about healthcare, but don't. Join us weekly in an open, transparent conversation with some of the biggest names in the healthcare business surrounding this one question and one question only. Had you known there were other options to exhaust and explore before you traveled down the traditional healthcare route, how would you weigh those options against what you think healthcare and medicine really is? For more information about Healthcare 360 and how together we can help transform lives, visit scotteburgess.com, subscribe to our YouTube channel, or follow us anywhere you enjoy listening. See you there. Hey, thanks to Zane and Kelly, and thank you for listening. We hope you found some value in this conversation. And if you did, please, this is so important for us, go tell everyone you know about it. Invite them to subscribe and leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Healthcare Wrap is a member of the Shift.Health content network. Go check it out at Shift.Health. Folks, we have 28 podcasts there. We have seven video series, and we have more coming every month. It's all about shifting the way the healthcare is experienced, and it's all for free. So go check it out there. Until next time, keep marketing forward. Thanks. And that's a wrap.